sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here on the grid, giving you the edge. Dane Martinez and my man Kevin, the candle burner Walsh here for hour number two of the early line. And Kevin, we have breaking news to start. And this is important. That's why you get the edge on sports grid, okay? If you are in markets right now, if you are betting prop bets, if you have a fantasy football draft, you need to know this. A couple of days ago, Kevin, in this spot, we reported that a brand name running back was released earlier in the week. It was the Jacksonville Jaguars and Leonard Fournette. Well, I have to say the same thing right now. A brand name, a Hall of Fame running back has just been released. The Washington football team has just released Adrian Peterson, Kev, and I find this incredibly interesting. Now, I want to couch this in the proper context, Kev, because people are so reactionary. That's the nature of the beast. But Kev, this is cut down day in the NFL. Another thing people don't realize because of the markers of preseason not being there. This would be, you know, yesterday we'd have seen everyone's last fourth preseason games, right? And what happens after the fourth preseason game? We cut down to like 53 and it's a different number this year. Fine. But cuts are happening fast and furious today. Today is the day when people will be cut and when someone else's trash is someone else's treasure, there will be a lot of movement. Do not plant your flag on anything in the next 24 to 48 hours. And this is no exception. Adrian Peterson released by the Washington football team. Kev, what's your knee jerk reaction to this? Wow. Uh, Just because, you know, releasing, you know, some people make sense, but AP, it just does feel like a surprise. There wasn't much of a rumor about it. You look at this Washington roster. I know people are excited about Antonio Gibson. We've heard some things about Bryce Love, but there is no established back that they are making the way for due to the situation that played out with Darius Geis during this offseason. You know that Adrian Peterson is going to hope to land a job. But the way the running back market has been, where? Sure. Uh, you, you know, and, and I think that's going to be interesting here. And you were kind of making the point, well, could this mean that another move might be coming down the pipe? And, and potentially for Washington, they just might be saying to themselves, moves are inevitably going to be coming down the pipe. Let's yeah. get ahead of this. And worst case scenario, due to the AP contract, we could always bring them back. Yeah, uh, I I want people to realize that is still a potential outcome here, okay? Them re-signing Adrian Peterson to a different kind of contractual terms that saved them instead of the salary cap hit, they could be moving money over to a bonus, you know, something like that. There's a lot of things on the horizon. This is a first bit of news, but today is a day. There will be a lot of cuts, a lot of moving pieces here. You know, the last linebacker on a roster could get picked up by another team in three hours the last running back i've also heard things like for example kev you know josh rosen down there in miami right if they're going at it with Fitz and tua today would be kind of the day where they got to make a decision on someone like that as well could he be on the move for something like a fifth sixth or seventh round pick right could someone else who washington expects to get cut 
a final cut somewhere else? Could they be looking to bring in as a younger, cheaper kind of option? So there's a lot of ways to look at this. There's a lot of sides of this Rubik's Cube, but do not get it twisted. Today is a day where you will see a ton of player movement. Just like I mentioned to you, Kev, you know how the draft kind of reset the deck, right? And when needs were addressed or not addressed then you look to see what happens as we welcome back in our radio audience well this is another kind of benchmark pillar right think about these teams and i will just and i'm not trying to get into the back and forth like you with you like always but think of the philadelphia eagles right who have shown inklings that they may want to address the running back position right today might be the day you've been saying like oh what are they waiting for it may be something like today Okay, Kev, where they see a fresh new crop of supply and demand and cheap options out there. Okay, so this is the day not only at a running back position, but in a lot of positions where we're going to start to learn a little bit about um, rosters and depth charts in the NFL. We learned about another depth chart in the NFL, Kev, yesterday, when as we were looking at, as we were looking to try to make some money, we were looking at Cam Newton yesterday. You brought up an incredibly interesting prop bet with value, and we had to say maybe part of that, the books had to assume, I guess, a potential that Jared Stidham beat it out, beat him out for QB1. Well, the Patriots addressed that and announced Cam Newton as their starting quarterback. And then I think you noticed some movement, huh, Kev? We should have got it yesterday. Oh, we got it yesterday, and if you didn't get it yesterday, my heart does break for you, but we got it yesterday. That's why you got to listen to the early line. We give it to you early before the movements. Uh, Here's the thing, though. If you didn't get it, you can still have it. So what happened was Cam Newton's over-under on passing yards for the season was 24.99 and a half. That is ridiculous. That is criminally low because he's gone over that anytime he's played close to a full season. The number after, though, being named the starter was twenty seven ninety nine and a half, three hundred yards. Like, I, you might label that more than a full game, to where you actually now could reasonably middle this. But let me just make this point for people quickly here before we hit this break. You might say, yeah, 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 but you had to make the caveat of when he plays close to a full season. If I offered you a bet that had nine times it has happened, and it was eight and one to the over, you gonna bet the over again? Because that's what you got here with Cam Newton. He has played. Over 14 or more games in eight of his nine seasons. That's what's going to happen again this year. He's going to fly over the number we got yesterday. He's going to fly over the number that he got there. He's going to throw 3,000 yards, no problem. Kev, I got to get you like, I got to get you one of like Cam Newton's hats for you to wear. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Because you're backing him. You got to be riding or dying there and part of that entourage. We'll talk more NFL when we come back on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, welcome back in, everybody, to the early line right here on SportsGrid, giving you the edge. I'm Dane Martinez. I got Kevin Walsh with me, getting you ready for a holiday weekend to, you know, fantasy drafts are out there, get some early week one plays, and we're going to help you out, give you the edge on all of that. And, Kev, you know what's interesting? We're less than a week away from kickoff with Chiefs and Texans, and they're still big-name players that are out there. Over the break, we were talking about, like, Devontae Freeman. Could this be on the horizon for a team in that 
merry-go-round at the running back position. But don't forget, Kev, Jadavion Clowney is still out there unsigned. Now, this is a name we have talked about all offseason long in terms of like what kind of money and contract does he want? What is his best fit? Everything from going back to Seattle. We've pontificated on New York teams. We've talked about Tennessee, Cleveland. There's been a lot of teams out there. There's more buzz, you know, contending teams like the Saints and the Titans and even Kev, the Jacksonville Jaguars. I thought they weren't trying to win games. And Jadavion Clowney can wreck a game. Talk to me about Clowney, the fact that he's still out there in the first place, and where might he be six days from now? This is really interesting, the way this is all developed here. Um, You almost wonder if this has actually worked out much better for Clowney than we kind of had all thought. Now, I don't know if he's going to get hmm. the best of the market. That probably was when you know the Dolphins and the Browns were trying to give him legitimate long-term offers. But if he's able to end up in either New Orleans or Tennessee, one team that's definitely contending for a Super Bowl and another contenders, that yeah. is certainly contending for the postseason, you have to be pretty happy with that. And I think he's going to be posed in, in, in kind of two different directions here. I ultimately don't think it's going to be Jacksonville. I think they're wise to be monitoring the situation. They have cap space. Why not? But ultimately, I don't think that's the landing spot. So okay. I do believe that Tennessee would offer more money and if need be more years than the saints would, but the saints offer a little bit more of a direct path. You would think just based on odds to a true super bowl run. He, they said those have been getting texts furiously from Titans players and coaches and saints players and coaches. So you've got your cam Jordans, your drew breezes and your Alvin Kamara's competing against your Mike Vrabels and your Derrick Henrys and your Ryan Tannehill's. And it's going to be interesting to see what wins out. But I would say you're going to have the Titans offering a little bit more coin and a defensive-minded head coach in Mike Vrabel and the opportunity to come back to the AFC South and potentially wreck the Texans versus the Saints who are going to be able to offer playing you know, with a Hall of Fame quarterback, a team that is expected again to compete for the Super Bowl and to play alongside a Cam Jordan. And I think that that is going to be really, really interesting to play out. I do think that this is a two-horse race, though. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. And we will see. I do believe, again, I believe roster cutdown day is another uh, threshold, another benchmark in time, which will allow like GMs in their minds to be like, okay, now we fill the back end of our roster. Now we see how the dust settles and then turn our attention to a guy like a Jadavion Clowney, a guy like uh, a Devontae Freeman out there. Let's say we have gone through some of these names that are still out there and there's dudes at every position. We've talked about like the all pro team that can still be out there. I want to ask you, Kev, about this Tampa Bay Buccaneers situation. You you know, Leonard Fournette now goes and is added into that running back room where there already is LaShawn McCoy, where there already is the rookie Keyshawn Vaughn, and where there already is Ronald Jones, who some people were high on, <clears throat> our man, the closer, Chris Ventra. You know, he was getting positive buzz, all the right things to say in training camp, all the good coach speak, and that continued yesterday when they're saying still 
the starting running back there in Tampa is Ronald Jones. I got to tell you, here's the way I think it's going to profile. Okay, Keyshawn Vaughn, unfortunately, is a rookie. He's still got to learn and pick it up. I think Ronald Jones is your guy in between the 20s. I think Shady McCoy is more your third down back. And I think Leonard Fournette is your goal line back. Will Leonard Fournette get less touches than when he was the workhorse in Jacksonville? Yes. But I think because of, as we mentioned before, Tom Brady under center, all the wideouts on the, on the outside, he's going to be able to have more efficient carries okay so even maybe more productive with less opportunity that is also possible and kevin i would note yesterday you brought up leonard fournette to lead the league in rushing touchdowns and it was 80 to 1 it's now 33 to 1 kev that's big movement in one day right so maybe uh, a lot of people were seeing it like you said like i thought was right i'm telling people leonard fournette still has value even as a goal line back getting the touchdown floor in that offense and because um whatever carries he does get he's going to get bigger lanes and the opportunity to be more efficient than his time at jacksonville then his time at LSU, then his time at high school, then his time in Pop Warner. How do you see this one playing out? Oh, he's definitely not going to get bigger lanes probably than high school. I mean, he's probably averaging like 400 yards a game. You ever seen these no, Derrick no, no, Henry that, clips? That's what I mean. No, no I'm kidding. It's, I mean, it's all, it, not bigger lanes, okay? He just was able to run through whatever was in those I lanes, know, Kev, know, in know, high school. Have you seen? No, literally, though, in high school in New Orleans, like he was a, he was a, he was a, a myth. He was a legend, I'm Leonard sure Fournette, in high school. He was like... And he had a beard. He was like a grown-ass man, okay? The hype of high school Leonard Fournette, there was never anything bigger. But I guess the the lanes will be open because the defense and, more importantly, the safeties in the box have to respect, you know, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Tom Brady. Mm -hmm. That's what I mean in terms of the opportunity running with Fournette, even if it's only like, you know, 12 to 15 carries a game. Yeah, no, listen. Um, and as far as the Russian touchdown thing goes, we said this yesterday. Might not win. Yep. You were gonna beat you were gonna beat that number at eighty to one. Did I think Absolutely. in less in, in twenty four hours you would be able to turn around and have, you know, more than half of it chopped off? Not necessarily, but it it also doesn't entirely surprise me. But I will say this based on your description of this yeah. backfield, I'd yeah. rather Rojo than Fournette. Based on your description, because to Tell me, me why. The goal line back in Tampa Bay is no guarantee when you've got Mr. QB sneak himself, Gronk, and Mike Evans. I- I'm yeah. not over the moon about the idea that they're just going to hand it to him every single time. I think they might, but I think the, the value of Leonard Fournette is tied up in him being the lead man when it comes to carries in this backfield. And I think over time, you think about the way people perceive a Jonathan Taylor, a DeAndre Swift, an Antonio Gibson or a Bryce Love before the AP move, that over time Mm -hmm. they will prevail. And that very well can be true for Leonard Fournette here as well. But I don't think that Bruce Arians is selling dreams to start this season. I think we're looking at, you know, a very odd split to start the year that might be 40-40-20 between Rojo, Leonard Fournette, and LaShawn McCoy. And you know this, Dane, as it pertains to fantasy Mm -hmm. football, and as it will pertain, by the way, for the prop markets in that opening game of Saints Bucks, which everybody's going to be playing in, it's going to be dicey. And I would absolutely preach caution in that spot. Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously, it can go a lot of different ways. And Kev, one of the things you know we have talked about a ton, one of my 
biggest thesis of the NFL season, right, is the good old RBB3, you know? And so now we could probably add Tampa Bay into that category. From the fantasy aspect, though, I do believe it's important to understand also how different people get their carries and in different roles, right? That's why I talk about things like Naheem Hines still in Indianapolis. I personally anticipate this being McCoy on passing downs, being Fournette in your kind of money situations. And I think, unfortunately, Ronald Jones gets kind of those empty between the 20s carries, okay, in the middle of the field. So look at not only how many touches people get, but where on the field that happens as well. But obviously the Bucks running back room and split of the pie will be a factor. A couple of other guys real quick, Kevin, that have been banged up recently. Amari Cooper in Dallas has missed the last few practices. Damian Harris with the New England Patriots in that running back room has missed also. Uh, where, where do you expect expect the herd to make it up like this Dallas Cowboys passing game this New England Patriots running game where do you expect more clarity from moving forward very quickly Cooper and Harris banged up the Harris thing is tough but ultimately the Patriots backfield I don't know why anyone is doing anything other than having James White um and as far yeah, as the for Cowboys PBR that's go, it uh you know we've mentioned this a lot next week we'll talk season-long player props I am interested in this Dallas Cowboys receiving game but Amari Cooper is not yeah. the direction that I'm looking Interesting. When we've talked about what rookies can do, will CD Lamb pop off? I am also very intrigued by the tight end on that team. Can Blake Jarwin become a bigger part of this passing game? We talk more on the early line when we come back. Check out the news update for now. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line here on SportsGrid, giving you the edge, including our radio audience from around the country. Thanks to the mightier 1090 folks for waking up early with us, the spitting statistician, and, of course, the candle burner, Kevin Walsh. I'm letting that sink in, Kev. I think that's going. I'm going to it. I don't care if you like it or not. But let's continue talking about this Dallas Cowboys thing. You know, you, you're right. The pass-catching potential herd for the Dallas Cowboys, right? Dak Prescott is being lauded as one of the top quarterbacks. You know, kind of had, I think, the second-highest passing yards in the NFL last year. We know there's Amari Cooper. We know Zeke in the running game is still a main part of this offense, Kev. So, What's the rest of it? Is Michael Gallup the forgotten man? Does everybody believe CeeDee Lamb is going to absorb all this? Remember, they've lost Randall Cobb. They've lost Jason Witten. There are some targets up for grabs here. You got CeeDee Lamb. I am intrigued by a potentially emerging ascending Blake Jarwin. How do you think the pieces of the pie of the Dallas passing game shake out? I mean, ultimately, they should just be unguardable. Now, uh, you know, there's people who look through. Right, single coverage somewhere. Yeah, they should be putting Amari Cooper probably in the slot, let Gallup and C.D. Lamb operate on the outside. You know, let Blake Jarwin take what the defense gives him, allow Zeke to continue to be Zeke. And if Dak Prescott and Kellen Moore's connection can carry over what they did last year where they were the number two offense in football, then there's no reason for this to be anything other than a great success. 
All right, we will actually see. I am intrigued by this, okay? I know a lot of people are going to be on CD Lamb. I have a little cause for pause because I think it's going to be tough going for rookies. Next week on this show, we're going to have our guy, Emery Hunt, join the show. He is a big-time college scouter, college football player himself. I want to understand the impact about learning the playbook, but in COVID, and if these rookies are even more behind the eight ball. And remember, these Dallas Cowboys will start off on Sunday night football, Kev, week one traveling to Los Angeles to take on the Rams intrigued at 51 and a half is the total in that game and Kev that's the second highest total on the board I told you I'm going under the highest total on the board in week one I mentioned that yesterday I told you about Kansas City Houston I told you about it at 54 and a half it's coming down to 53 and a half Kev we're less than a week away As I look Mm. to week one, right, this is where maybe you're starting to get early leans here on the early line. What are you looking at at week one? Are there any trends you're looking at? Are there any spreads you think are too high that you want to get it when the hook is still there? What are you looking at early for week one? What I'm trying to just do is almost memorize these lines as much as possible. That way, when something does move, we can spot it out. There are two spots that has had movement of note in terms of a key number being passed by so the vikings were laying three and a half for the green bay packers it's down to two and a half which doesn't really make sense to me because the yannick and gawkway news has been really the only news that has come out around that game mm. like if i would have told you that it was two and a half and now it's three and a half you would have easily been able to say oh that's the yannick push does that not surprise you a little bit that it kind of in the recent buildup that number has gone the other direction It does surprise me, but let me offer a potential reason that ties into, honestly, my biggest question of the sports investing football season. Kev, the Minnesota Vikings were one of the few teams that legitimately got three and a half points as a home field advantage um, because of the skull and the fans. And all that stuff. There are very few. The Dome in New Orleans, you know, most teams get three for home court, home field. Some people believe that Minnesota at home got three and a half. You know, that New Orleans got three and a half. Certain, certain stadiums. Maybe, I wonder, and it fits into my bigger question about the adjustment for the normal three points being at home with no fans. Maybe there's a catch-up there. That's the only thing I can offer you, because you're right, the Ngakwe news would make you think better for Minnesota, but it's moving in the other direction. I'm not so sure, and that's a great line movement to see when you go from three in the hook to just under the hook with field goals being the key number. We will keep our eye on all the line movement, and when we come back on Tuesday, Kev, maybe that'll be start of the framework for us, right? Where the lines moved over the weekend to start to get with that because one of the great betters that I respect, we have him on this network all the time, Yanni the Greek said that one of the things he's going to be looking at in this football season is the opening lines and then where they move because this year more than any other, those movements right with the sharp betters may be because they are plugged into information that us as the general public just does not have this year. But I do want to turn our attention, Kev, to Major League Baseball because we're in the home stretch there as well. Last time when we were looking at division odds, one of the teams we looked at, Kev, was the Philadelphia Phillies, who were on a hot streak. They have now won nine of their last ten, including a win yesterday, right? We were looking at the schedule and saying, I wonder if they really can 
leapfrog the Atlanta Braves. They have games in hand. They're now only two and a half games back. They still have those games in hand, and they are now starting a weekend set in New York against the Mets, who are four games under 500. Can they keep it rolling, Kev? I'm intrigued more and more by these Phillies, who I think have the horses, have the management, and have everything in front of them, including a schedule with a lot of Mets and Marlins on it. Can Philly keep it rolling this weekend? Yeah, I, I love what we've seen from Philly. They, they've really started to piece it together. Uh, we talked about this team in that they kept losing games they shouldn't lose. It was not just that they were losing to you know, the Miami Marlins, but they kept blowing leads. And, and you were like, man, th- this team is going to come back to regret that so mightily. But now they've really started to piece it together. And, and here they are. They're coming to City Field. They're going up against Rick Porcello to start this series. Got the Mets as slight favorites, but I'm going to continue to back what is an incredibly hot Phillies team right now. Um, and just also note for people that yesterday uh, that Phillies line did come down after their win. Uh, it's down to plus 460. I think, Dane, yesterday was somewhere in the high fives. Yes, I think it was 550. I think it was 550 yesterday. So that movement, that's why we tell it to you early here on the early line. We try to play it out for you. We try to have some game theory so you can understand. Kev, I say it all the time, right? We're not just merely giving you a fish. We are teaching you how to fish so you know how to find and apply these edges moving forward. That's what we do here on Sports Grid. Kev, remember last Friday? When we were looking at the division markets and being like, yo, this can change dramatically as soon as we're back here on Monday. Well, I think that's even more the case this weekend for a number of reasons. One, we ain't going to be back until Tuesday, right? So there's an extra day and an extra standings move. But Kev, the double headers are starting to pile up, Kev. Okay. As I look at the AL East. All right, the Tampa Bay Rays now have a working margin, Kev. They've got five-game lead in that division. They start a series against the Miami Marlins, so they feel fine, right? But, Kevin, as I draw your attention to the ALE standings, Kev, there's a tie for second place, okay? Right now, the New York Yankees... And the Toronto Blue Jays are standing at 20 and 16, four games above 500, right? And here's the other thing I'll say when we play, uh, when we have this show on Tuesday morning, not only will like four days have passed, but Kev, double headers are plenty. The Toronto Blue Jays have a double header against the Boston Red Sox to start a weekend series. Not to be outdone, the Yankees have a double header against the Baltimore Orioles this weekend. There are going to be a <laughs> lot of games played this weekend. And in that AL East, not only can Tampa run away and hide, but the Yankees now have the Blue Jays to worry about. Objects in the rearview mirror are closer than they appear. What is this going to look like on Tuesday morning, Kev? Um, I don't know. I don't care. They're fine. It, I'm, I, I'm so sorry for, for those people that it doesn't matter. Like, they're, it's not about the Blue Jays. It just isn't. Like, the Blue Jays and their 84.7% chance is still 13-plus lower than the Yankees. Like, it's about the Tigers. Like, you want to sell me on this, you have to sell me on the Tigers or the Orioles or the Royals or the Mariners. And you're not going to do that. If the Yankees end up as the eighth seed, the loser in this is the one who then has to play the Yankees to start their postseason. And if they're the seventh seed, the loser in this is the two who has to play the Yankees as a gift to start their postseason, as opposed to playing the Blue Jays or the Twins. 
Yes, I understand what you're saying, right? And all you got to do is get into the tournament and get into the tournament healthy. And then you're completely happy to ride the Yankees and with the chips fall where they may. I'm with you, Kev. I understand that point. I agree with that point. Give me a full Yankees lineup and I'll take whatever. I'll, I'll take my chances with Garrett Cole, even the 2020 Garrett Cole. I got it. Um, Kev, and I know this is going to sound crazy. And I'm not necessarily saying I feel concerned, but you've been saying this for a while. And right now, Kev, right now, with uh, 24 games left to play, the Detroit Tigers are only two games back of the New York Yankees. Any concerns? Uh, No, no. Okay. No, it's the Tigers. I know. What are we doing but here? A lot of things can happen over 24 games. That's the remember when we talked about variants? Remember when we had that 538 article that ran the season a thousand times, right? Yeah. And we have always had the point that this opens up the liability, opens up the potential for crazy okay. variants, Kev. I'll We're give now you a at 23 games left, right? I'll give you a, I'll give you a I'm prediction. not saying this. I think the Yankees make the playoffs. I think the Yankees okay. make the playoffs, right? But variance yeah. is possible. I'll give you a prediction. The Yankees will be four yeah. games apart from the Tigers at the end of the day. There we go. Hey, the doubleheaders. That's why I said, what are we going to see on Tuesday morning? Remember this. It's very liable. It's very possible. I mean, Yank, uh, Kev, the Yankees, instead of being like the eighth seed in the playoffs, could literally be the four seed in the playoffs when we are next talking about Major League Baseball. All I'm saying, Kev, is that variance is king in this season. It's a little closer than we think, and it's not a lot of games just left. That's all I am saying. When we come back, we hope to have our guy, Jay, the sports keg CEO. Guys are roughing each other up in the octagon, and Jay knows football also. So we'll talk to him about that. No shortage of things to discuss. Oh, by the way, the ponies are running this weekend as well. It's not the first Saturday in May. It's the first Saturday in September. But Kev, for months, I've been telling you about t- as well. Come on back. More early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody. Here on the early line, Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. And Kev, you know, I, I got to make this point over again. With people watching and listening to this show, okay, especially with the Adrian Peterson news, right, that Adrian Peterson got cut. There is going to be a lot of movement in the next 48 hours, Kevin, okay? Adrian Peterson is not going to be unemployed for long. He may even sign right back with Washington football team to help them clear cap space, okay? That is very viable. Okay, we talk about Jadavion Clowney, okay? There are names that can still move the needle. There will be surprise cuts. There will be salary cap casualties today, and there will be names that come out of nowhere, okay? So be ready for that. I'm just saying if you have a fantasy draft tonight or tomorrow, let's say, which I know a lot of you do, take everything with a grain of salt. There is going to be movement this weekend. Kev, think about it. In years past, like this is when Khalil Mack was traded to the Bears, 
Okay. In years past, this is when like Sam Bradford was traded, right? In years past, this is like when Earl Thomas finds a new home. Okay. And I can't make this point strongly enough, Kev, without us as the natural football fan having the preseason games as mental markers, we don't realize that this is cut down to 53 kind of day. Okay. So this merry-go-round is real and big time names may be out on the market. Please do not overreact and over tinker with your fantasy lineups. You know what I mean, Kev? Cause like, or even, you know, futures bets right now. Cause Khalil Mack moved the needle, right? Jadavion Clowney can move the needle. You know, if, if, if Adrian Peterson signs somewhere else, right. That eviscerates the fantasy hopes of someone just like Leonard Fournette joining a roster can, you know what I mean? So it is heavy state of flux right now. There will be transactions over the next 24, 48 hours in the NFL, Kev. It'll be fun to watch. We did see the Bucks while we were uh, in break move on from Dari Ognibawali. Uh, there it is. The back who's left out, uh, which is kind of what you would have expected considering the comments that recently came uh, from Bruce Arians. So, uh, yeah. yeah, there should be uh, a decent amount of roster movement today, and uh, it'll be interesting to follow along. Yeah, and, and, and that's a great point, right? Now, I, I say the term one man's trash is another man's treasure. You know what I mean? Dari, Dario, and that's what I'm going to call him now instead of trying to pronounce it, right? He's going to get picked up somewhere else, right? Because in essence, the addition of Leonard Fournette means that everyone gets bumped down a notch, right? They, they believe in the kid that they drafted still, right? They want to still have Rojo. McCoy is that vet, so maybe it's Dar- Dare. But now he wasn't good enough to be, what, the fourth running back on the box? But he'll be good enough to be the fourth running back elsewhere and then that ripple effect will continue and that'll continue not only at fantasy relevant positions the skill positions but it'll be the case at offensive line it'll be the case for slot cornerbacks you know what i mean so rosters will have an overhaul that'll lean to some of this movement for week one kez you know what i mean rosters will look different and we will continue to monitor that over the weekend and then when we have another early line here as we go into week one so let me continue to look there. You mentioned that you were like trying to get screenshots of week one's lines and then see the movement right now. What would you be looking to get? You know, worried about maybe movement where the hook disappears or something like that. I've been talking about this total for Kansas city and Houston. What are other week one lines, odds, totals that you have an eye on? Yeah, and, and again, I think just trying to identify spots where there's key numbers. Like for the Ravens and the Browns, there's been movement, but seven and a half to eight or eight and a half to eight. Like that's not um you eight know, that's not a eight. massive, massive deal, right? But the Eagles and the Washington football team has moved on from the Eagles line seven and a half down to six and a half. And we know that that is a big time move now where if I get, you know, my touchdown an extra point, I do cover. But that, unlike the Vikings move, is easy to make sense of. Because a lot of these Eagles updates are nothing but negative. You know, Andre Dillard is out. Oh, okay, well, good thing we have Peters. Yeah, but he was supposed to be playing guard. Jalen Raider's out. Oh, good thing we signed Marquise Good. Oh, no, he's not here. Is that Sean Jeff? No, he's still out. Oh, okay. Mm. Oh, by the way, Carson Wentz is taking a brief. Okay, this is great. So that's easy (laughs) to understand kind of how that movement comes there. And and honestly, Dane, my only frustration is that Washington's first game is against the Eagles because I just wanted it to be against any other team. That way I could back them. And now I can't. Uh, Kev, can I give you something about your Eagles? 
Um, sure. You know, I give out diamonds and fugazis. We got some DFS leans. And you know how we've been joking about, you know, week one in that Chargers-Bengals game, your, your, your balding philosophy on that one? Let me give you right now, Kev, right now, a tournament DFS play uh, for you in week one. Okay? And it's, uh, it's one of your boys, Kev. I'm going to have Deshaun Jackson in all my lineups in week one, Kev. Um, you know this. Kev, you know, because you are plugged into not only the Eagles, but the Sean Jackson, this division, you know, some of the things I'm about to say are weird and random, but true. <laughs> One, Deshaun Jackson loves playing against former teams. That's number one. Two, Deshaun Jackson is going to have Ronald Darby on him in week one, Kev. Uh, just like on different teams than usual, right? You know Darby when he was with the Eagles and D-Jax was with the Washington football team. Couldn't cover him. Now the roles are reversed. And D-Jax always, it seems like, pops off on week one. And if you're going to go to the tried and true vanilla things, right, if we're not going to have complex offensive schemes ready to go just yet, you know what's easy? You know what works? Hey, Deshaun, run that nine route. I gotcha. You know what I mean? And when you talk about Rieger, Banged up. Jeffrey, banged up. Uh, Sanders, still, you know, working his way back. We know this is Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard, the two tight end set, and who else? I think Deshaun Jackson, we always talk about him as a best play, Paul, a best ball play. You got to find the right weeks. Week one frequently seems to be one of those weeks, enough that I'm going to take a shot on Deshaun Jackson next week, Kev. What do you think? If Deshaun Jackson plays 16 games, I promise you he will score double-digit touchdowns. I promise you that. But the problem is we don't know enough. Which happens. ones? But that's why. Right. But that's I'm why saying week works. one is one of them. Right. But that's why it works because you know he's going to be playing week one. So, yeah, no arguments there. Let me throw something at you, though, that I heard yesterday. Um, I was listening to Lindsey Jones, who works for The Athletic and, and has covered the Denver Broncos for uh, well over a decade, one of the best NFL reporters out there. She made a point that I was like, wow, I had not thought about that. But about the Denver Broncos, you know, we've talked a lot, Dan, about home field advantage. Right, yeah. you know, fans and different right, things. right, right. But the Denver like Minnesota line advantage is in their altitude. Is the altitude not whether the fans. or not people are right. in the building or not? And right. that just made me think a little bit about the Broncos in this opening game here against the Tennessee Titans because I, I like the Titans coming into the year, but maybe we should be looking at Denver as maybe the one true home field advantage in the entire league, and that probably is a good enough reason to justify them albeit very slight, but being favored hmm. over the Titans in that uh, Monday night game. I like that. I think that's an um, intriguing point. And then I would even broaden that point. You know, there are elements of home and away that are based on the fans, right? The home field advantage, the crowd noise, that sort of stuff. I mentioned Minnesota. I mentioned New Orleans. There's other times where the home field advantage is due to other factors, Kev. That are still in play. And I think your thin air at Invesco Field in Mile High is a good example. Another example I think of, Kev, and maybe not for week one, okay? But this is not a bubble. The travel still remains true, right? So the west to east travel, the east to west travel. Some of these teams talked about we're going to try and hop in, hop out, travel on the same day. Some MLS teams are doing that, right? So those kind of things about the jet lag and the body clock and west to east those could also still apply or even apply to a greater extent because travel is weird um, than the idea of 
fans and home field advantage. So definitely a nice, interesting trend or thing to look at earlier on in the season. It's the thin air in Denver, still something to rely on. I got a couple of other things, but I see you want to jump in here. What's up, Kevin? Yeah, just kind of what you're talking about, though. Like, if you know, at some point when we're going through this, everyone wants to try and find their dog, albeit small. Yep. But Vegas has been terrible coming uh, over to, to the east. Gruden's been poor on the road. Right. And they're two-and-a-half-point favorites in Carolina. I know the Panthers are supposed to be abysmal, but I'm not sure that they're going to be that bad. This has still just been a spot where the Raiders have been poor in. And also, yep. uh, the other day, Teddy Bridgewater was tweeting out Jimmy Butler memes because he's from Miami, Florida. So he's A-OK nice. in my book. So yeah, got that dog in him. on the Panthers uh, week number one. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, you mentioned Oakland. I mean, Las Vegas, excuse me. One of the things I usually think about that West to East is not as big week one because they're not coming off of the games and stuff. They got plenty of time to get there if they want. But Carolina is interesting. They're going to be a team that like looks different. Right. And we're not going to see it in preseason. We don't know what this Joe Brady, Matt Rule, Teddy Bridgewater combo is going to be like. We don't know what Cam Newton will be like and what kind of tricks Josh McDaniels may have up his sleeve in New England. So that's interesting. Kev, for me, at this point in week one, right, I'm looking for places where the hook may vanish by Tuesday. You know what I mean? Um, mm. Where I can get the six and a half or be on the right side of a key number. And for people that are new or early, to sports investing in the NFL, we look at three, we look at seven as key numbers, okay? Even though the preponderance of two-point conversions and all that kind of stuff has somewhat changed this in the NFL, um, seven and three are still its key numbers. So I look at places like, um, to be honest, the Jets and the Bills. Right now, as I see the, the Bills as six-and-a-half-point favorites, right, that could be a full touchdown by the time we look at it in week one. So if I'm riding the Bills, I want to get that now when it's at six-and-a-half instead of at the full touchdown. I see that again with your Philadelphia Eagles as road favorites by six-and-a-half points. Could this Adrian Peterson news by itself push more people to the window and move that to a full touchdown? That's possible. Possible, but if you want to get the Eagles on the road under a touchdown, you may have to do that now. Um, the L.A. Chargers are three-and-a-half-point road favorites at Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals, right? So uh, does the last episode of Hard Knots or anything like that, places where the hook can vanish, where we're without, uh, where we are with around seven, where we are around three, those are places I'm going to look because that hook, could be very important and could be gone after Labor Day. Yeah, like if you guys want to get your losing uh, Cowboys minus two and a half ticket in before you get in a Cowboys losing minus three and a half ticket in, I think you want to run to the window and do that now. That way you at least beat the number before the Rams go out there and win that home. I think that's ridiculous. Woo! I'm sorry, but I think that's ridiculous that the Cowboys are, are like, I, I know everybody's off on the Rams. I know everybody's off on the Rams. Like, this feels like just the, the easiest buy-low spot of the season for me. And just to back this Rams team that still has plenty of talent on the field. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting. And then let's let people know also, Kev, each week we're going to find a game in the NFL season where you and I disagree. Okay? Yeah. Where we're on opposite sides. We'll call it our gentleman's bet. All right? And there's going to be 17 of them. No, no, and we'll see when we differ, which way we go. All right, because here's the thing. If Kevin and I are on the same side, 
take it to the MF Bank, all right? But when we are not <laughs> on the same side, yeah, that's what we're going to have to kind of figure it out. And so we're going to try and find those games. We'll put them out there, and we'll see if you want to lean with my man in the candle burner or yours truly, the spitting statistician. Also, Arizona-San Francisco on the number at seven, Kev. Yeah. You know, the Arizona Cardinals are a hot team. They're going to be on the road. They're getting a full seven. That could be interesting as well. Um, any other lines real quick that just, you know, I'll, catch your eye before you head into this weekend? Because I'll, I'll just come in this weekend. I'll just piggyback what you said there. The, the Niners were laying that hook and then some. Uh, much were. earlier on when we were doing roster. They were. Set. So Cardinals getting love. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll keep an eye out on that. This is going to be moving all day long. We talk to the folks in the morning after coming up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, welcome back in. We got Jared and Ariel getting ready for the morning after, okay? So we are going to hold it down here for another couple of minutes. Ain't no problem. My man Kevin burns the candle at both ends anyway. Kev, I got to tell people, three to five, tis the law. Morning line favorite. I've been talking about this horse for months, Kev, okay? When he was not the favorite. Then he goes ahead and wins, you know, the Belmont. Then he goes ahead and wins the Travers, right? Now is the Kentucky Derby. There is no reason to hop off him now tis the law three to five tomorrow afternoon you ain't gonna get a ton of money maybe you want to put him with some exactas and trifectas and stuff like that but he gonna come on first and hit that ticker that nose will hit it first you know Kev, i've always thought and this is not where you think i'm gonna go um you know how they have like the first down line in football how they have um you know, the, the, the VAR and soccer to see if things cross the line and stuff. I may get like the PETA folks on me, but I think they need to implant a chip in horses' noses. Um, or maybe just on like the thing that they put over on the harness, right? Because there should be like photo finish right now, dead heat in horse races. That should never exist. There's electronic sensors. Equip them. Inject it into the horse's nose, and then we know who will win every race. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how bad the, the, the stuff is now, if that's all necessary. But if Fizz the Law is as big of a lock as you say, I mean, three to five is not the worst thing in the world. Like, people play money lines all the time. You know, so, eh, roll with Tiz the Law. You've been talking about that. him for ages. I have. I was talking about him before he was the big favorite. But this is 2020, man. We need to input chips into horses. Kev, we got drones flying overhead in baseball games, you know, kind of causing delays there. You got some ideas, no, man, I'll tell you. I hope there are no drones flying overhead at the lake, at the pool, at the beach, at your barbecue, wherever Enjoy you are all this Labor Day weekend. There you go. Kevin's got other sports <laughs> entertainment on the horizon when we come back it's week one of the nfl season okay we got through summer kevin for my man kevin walsh we hope all of you have a healthy and happy holiday weekend we'll see you back week one have a good day SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.